Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. So just while we wait for the formal beginning of our session, um, people who I can see you in the background, this is Zoom. So if you want to ask a question or um, we can promote you to actually being on screen or can use your voice. But the big event, of course, will be the, the quiz. And the quiz is coming up for you to click through uh, when we get there. But we've got a couple of things we're going to do first. Um, and um, you can see it live streamed on Facebook as well. If, you, if you're, you know, there's various ways you can see us. But thank you to the people who already come and joined us. Planning to last about 45 minutes. So, you know, you will um, be able to get on with the rest of your day. And one of you might be our prize winner. I have to see. That's exciting. I, I did do one of these, and some of the people who come might remember I did a quiz for um, uh, the Lord of the Rings readathon celebration. And the feedback I got was it was fiendishly difficult. And but a lot of people asked for copies of it because I think they wanted to go away and test it out on their <laughs> on their friends. Um, so this time I've done more multiple choice questions, so everybody has a higher chance of um, getting to uh, to actually answer it. Ah, Jill, hi. So please put your um, hellos in the chat. Jill, it's lovely to have you because um, I noticed that you were one of the people who put in a lot of feedback to the um, the Silmarillion readathon as it went along. And that's really, really uh, appreciated. So Karen, hi to Karen, hi to Kirsten. Kirsten is one of our our elves who works in the background um who's really helps us out on the social media right and we've got jacob as well right so let's make this the official start having um waited for people to join us so welcome everybody to the celebration of our silmarillion readathon Um, There's people joining us live on Zoom who are going to be participating in our quiz with a chance to win a prize. And there'll be people watching on uh, live on Facebook, but you can't join in the quiz on Facebook. You'll just have to enjoy watching us. Nip over to the link um, on, on the Facebook and get into the Zoom if you want to actually be part of the quiz. Um, and of course, those of you watching on Catch Up who didn't see us at the time, hello to you too. You are in our thoughts. Joining me, and my name is Julia Golding. I am the director of the Oxford Centre for Fantasy and an author, but also a massive fan of Tolkien. <laughs> um, but I'm also joined by people who have come up, come through as really good friends to the centre. I always enjoy chatting to them. Um, so we've got Paula Calamaris. Paula, just want to say hi and who you are. Hi, I'm Paula Calamaris. I'm an author. I own a small uh, publishing company called Scribes Unlimited. Uh, we just put out our uh, first book of our new saga. And um, hi. We You're love so Tolkien. Teach- I just stopped teaching a class on Lord of the Rings. And Jacob, um, want to say hi. Jacob Renneker, I'd like to say hi and say who you are. Hi, yes, uh, Jacob Renneker, uh, uh, Tolkien enthusiast, scholar, uh, creative 
writer, etc. Yeah. And also now working for a company that makes games. Yes. <laughs> super exciting. Um, anyway, but today we are talking about the Silmarillion. So I've got three main things I want to do with you. The first thing is um, I'm going to be chatting with Jacob and Paula, who both led, I think, one or two chapters each. Um, I also led a couple of chapters when someone didn't get back to us. I was kind of quick, quick leader chapter, Julia. So I have led, I think, three in the end. Um, and then I've got my artwork, which I made for the Silmarillion, which uh, I wanted to show you and share with you because it was really fun coming up with images. And then we'll do the quiz. Actually, we might do it the other way around. We'll do the quiz. And whilst they're collating the results, aha, brilliant idea, Golding. I will then show you the pictures whilst they're collating the results. Anyway, so thank you to all the people who are joining us. Um, if you wish to say anything, please put us in the, the chat and we can uh, involve you that way. Okay, so the first question I have to Paula and Jacob and to those of you who led a chapter is what was the favourite thing you found in the chapter or chapters that you led? Paula, over to you first, because both of you had an early chapter to lead, didn't you? Right. I did the um, the first chapter of the Valaquenta, and I'm fascinated by origin stories. Um, I find them compelling. In fact, I'm teaching a class this winter on mythological origin stories and how they interpret into literature. And I just found that, you know, the whole concept, because in the Lord of the Rings, you don't really have that much religion overtly discussed. I mean, it, you have, uh, you know, a few hymns to Elbereth, you have a few things, but there's no actual, you know, they, they exchange vows in front of the tree and stuff like that, but you don't really have religion. And yet the beginning of the Valaquenta where you are, they're talking about how the Valar and the Maya are um, helping Eru and or Iluvatu, as you want to call them, um, start the world and begin. And, and that there are so many other Valar or Maya who are, who or Aner who stay with, him, and yet this group comes to Middle Earth and they become the demigods, the, the gods who are over there in Valinor and are influential as to getting the sun and the moon, are influential into doing everything. And it's the music and what they are doing and how they're doing it that just fascinates me. I mean, so, I just, yeah. So you, I think, Jacob, you also had origins, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had Valaquenta. But you also led another one a bit later on, I think. I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did one uh, of men. So one of the shortest shortest titles and shortest chapters. Uh, so those are always great as a student, right? You, you always volunteer for <laughs> the shortest. Right? The first, the quickest. So you have to do a little bit of research first to know which ones you get. But uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly rich. And I, I think this was something that really, uh, kind of focusing in on that chapter of men, um, was something that kind of colored my reading of the Silmarillion this through, which was really, you know, seeing the the difference between the perspective of humans and elves, right? So for me, I think this time around, yeah, the, the that that chapter kind of because this is all the Silmarillion is from the elvish perspective, right? And so you never really get that. Lord of the Rings is from a hobbitish perspective, but flavored by you know humans as well. But really it's supposed to be, you know, primary point of view is hobbits so it has a story and i think it's i think a lot of people it's easy to connect with lord of the rings because i think we're more hobbitish than we are elvish uh socially uh <laughs> and perhaps intellectually and emotionally and spiritually whatnot um but so elvish so this is really kind of like reframes it says so here's what elves know about humans and how they see humans and the kind of vast difference between those and then kind of providing a proper framing for the rest of the Silmarillion um, and for what went before. So yeah, that, that was something that I think this time around really stood out to me that we see a little bit and I hate to have to bring up rings of power, but like that's, you know, they, they kind of touched on that theme of right the difference in perspective on time, right. With, uh, with Elrond uh, and Durin and, Durin sure. 
feeling abandoned because his friend, he hadn't been there in 20 years, but for an elf, that was kind of a, a blink of an eye. And I he just didn't went out for a few minutes. <laughs> 20 years, no, exactly. Right? I just what stepped out and just, just breath, just, breath yeah. of fresh air. And then all of a sudden you have all your kids and most of your life and you're almost dead now. So yeah, so that was something that was like really helpful, I think, uh, in, in kind of the Silmarillion understanding the perspective that it's supposed to be uh, embodying there. Right. Um, so don't forget, everybody, that we are going to be having a prize. So um, for those of you who have picked up on your Silmarillion knowledge, so I hope you're all polishing it away like you are burnishing your own Silmarillion brains. Um, so I got, ended up getting by happenstance because the people who volunteered didn't then reply. I ended up getting Beren and Luthien. Yay. I mean, wow, what a good chapter to find myself leading. And what I really liked being reminded about, it's got some wonderful, wonderful um, uh, imagery in it. So it happened to be, I think it fell on Halloween when we posted that. And there's a really spooky bit, which I hadn't noticed about Beren's journey prior to arriving in, you know, the hidden realm about, and I got really interested in the idea of this spooky um almost want to read that bit to you it's quite early on so just go and have a look there's this it says it's like too horrific and all the stories I there's a whole world we don't know about Baron. I got really interested in that but the other thing that I loved about it was remembering that very folkloric thing of the trick where yes I have the Silmaril in my hand but by the way my hand is in the belly of a wolf um kind of I fulfilled what you the task you set me but in a really different way from how we all expected and that wonderful trick reversing of expectations I enjoyed and the other chapter I ended up with is the very last one oddly um which is of the rings of power and the third age and um well that's that's just like it's a huge sweep it's like you know, if you wanted a quick, quick sort of rem reminder of what what you need to know before you read Lord of the Rings, it's the perfect one to read because uh, it gives all the all the little details of what the White Council are doing, and um, it's also it, it's it, it's a, a palate cleanser after having watched Rings of Power. <laughs> to remind you of the Tolkien version of the same material. So, um, people. Uh, have criticised us from talking about Rings of Power a lot, but I thought it was really important to talk about it. But now we've gone past the Rings of Power moment uh, and you want to reset to Tolkien, go back and read that chapter and you'll find, okay, yes, I know. I'm back. I've cleared away the inventions of Amazon and I'm back at Tolkien. So, um, Karen, uh, would you like to speak? Because um, my trusty team are ready to... Uh, promote you to speaking voice if you'd like to tell us about the theme you liked um yeah hi can you hear me okay <laughs> yeah we can hear you very well so yeah it was the um I had the chapter for the flights of the Nordor where everyone's leaving and there was a really nice theme coming through of just the the loss of treasure so it wasn't really just focusing on one thing of actual treasure like you see in the other books um later it's more the treasure of what it means to be at home or what it means to have the environment that you've been in for 20 years, your friends, your family, even possessions that you've got. So I really liked how that was getting ripped apart and the Nordra having to you know, consider leaving <laughs> with all of that yeah. and the impact that that has on them, not just, not just in that situation, but for the future as well, because they would have to potentially start over, get new friends, get new family, you know, leave people behind that they're, you know, they trust. <laughs> so, yeah. And that idea of treasure, I think you reminded me of something, Karen, which is, you know, how um, YouTube starts throwing up things you're interested in, in your algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things it threw up for me recently is um, a copy of the 1960s, I think about 1968, thereabouts, BBC interview with Tolkien in colour. Yeah. And I started playing it. And one of the things that really struck me is he said, I decided I wanted to tell a long tale about someone traveling with a magical object, a magical treasure. Yeah. And that idea that it's that holding it in your hand 
that magical it seems like really key to him because it because actually whilst the lord of the rings is about carrying a magical ob- object this dangerous magic magical object the silmarillion is about going to get them when they've yeah. been stolen <laughs> so it's clearly really um uh fundamental to the way Tolkien sees fantasy is this idea of the treasure yeah it's woven into all the books that that he writes there's always an element of that so yeah thank but you yeah. like the the way that it's divided slightly more of not just being gold <laughs> this yeah and as you say the real treasure is the shire or yeah <laughs> or yeah yeah a, ni- a nice, a nice chair and a warm book, a uh, warm book, a warm cup of tea with a book <laughs> is yeah. treasure enough. <laughs> Sleeping in a bed. Yeah. Um, as Brian has said in the chat, um, if you do want to join in, like Karen has just has, please do raise your hand, and he will bring it to my attention, and we can have you all uh, on involved. So that's the favourite thing about the chapter we led. So looking at the Silmarillion as a whole, Paula and Jacob and others, um, what were your reflections? Because I know you weren't first-time readers. If anyone is a first-time reader of the Silmarillion and wants to put that in the chat, that'd be really interesting. But we're all old old hands at this. This time, going back to the Silmarillion, what did you feel and think? So I'll go to Jacob first this time. Yeah, one of my <clears throat> favorite parts of the Aina Lindale is right. You have your th- kind of threefold repetition of the song, right? Well, there's three different verses really, and um, different reactions to those. And then the third one, after we're told that you know Melkor is trying to uh, kind of do his solo and and kind of have everybody else conform to the way that he wants to sing the song, um, you know, uh, Iluvatar kind of weaves everything in together um, and that there's a theme, there's this kind of a thread of sorrow that runs kind of prominently through that third uh, theme that's, and and that is really, you know, the kind of the working out of uh, of, of history uh, as, as we see it. And so I, I, I've always loved that, but then actually, you know, that, that image just is kind of part of the human experience, right? Kind of a, the grand tragedy, but then ultimately being woven together with good and if with the way it describes Niena uh, in the Valaquenta is that she kind of takes weeping uh, and sorrow and kind of transmutes it somehow into wisdom um, and then Gandalf is kind of a disciple of hers and that's kind of what he does among the people of Middle Earth is showing this the, the sorrow and trying to weave wisdom out of that and, and run it to a, a positive end so kind of seeing that theme play out in the Silmarillion I was kind of more sensitive to that I've, you know it's like Galadriel says you know kind of the long defeat it's this you know that things aren't going to work out the way that the people want them to, but kind of the those those uh, kind of mini you catastrophes, right? These little kind of like happy turning points that something that was a, a, a tragedy ultimately something is taken from that that's positive, kind of woven into the larger picture that allows for something uh, incredibly positive uh, to happen and allows uh, other people to to really thrive. Uh, because of that. So that, that was just kind of an example of one thing that kind of followed that thread uh, throughout the rest of the Silmarillion, just because it, it's not it's not a happy book. You have little moments of kind of happiness, right? If you're going for like a warm comfort read, like this is not the book to do that with. But it's but if you want something that like really, I think, digs into the deepest and most poignant parts of the human experience, uh, namely kind of like loss, um, decline, sorrow, how, how you deal with that, and then how that can come out uh, for good in the end. I think it's it's an incredible uh, kind of working out of that over a massive scale of time. Do you know what makes me happy, Jacob? It's hearing you say, Ina Linda, say it again. Ina Lindale. <laughs> I find that almost impossible to say. Anybody else out there? That's the name of um, the very, if you look at the table of contents, uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. That's the very first thing in the, I'm trying to, I've got a background on. There you are. That's how you say that word. That was worth coming along. <laughs> the price out. of admission, yeah. <laughs> Ina Lindale, yes. Well, know, yeah. So, Paula, how about you? Did you have any new thoughts about the shape of the Silmarillion as a, as a whole? Just coming off teaching eight weeks of Lord of the Rings, and the last week we spent the entire time on the appendices. 
Okay. (laughs) I I tortured my class. (laughs) I took aspects of the Silmarillion that, you know, related uh, that whole last of the third age. And I had them read that as well. And I did find, and I, 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 it just reminded me, not that it was new, but it reminded me of how Elrond tells them, you know, the elves have, their own sorrows and how the perception in Lord of the Rings are these immortal beings who, you know, are perfect and they've done nothing wrong and everything. And yet what I always get from the Silmarillion is how Feanor and how the others are just so consumed by this quest for, to get the stones back, to do it, that they, they, they destroy their families. They destroy their, the kinslaying alone always gives me chills. Mm. Yeah, it's a, really, it did it again. Really, it's a really long running curse, that one, because it, it doesn't actually come to an end. Well, arguably, it never comes to an end, really. Um, but it doesn't come to the end till the chapter with Arendil, um, yeah. when the But we're not going to talk about it because that's one of my, my quiz questions. So I'm going to stop. OK, well, we can talk about that. But I'm just saying that was just, it just up, reinforced so it in me and really upset my class. <laughs> oh, you tortured and upset class. Yes, so, I tortured them with the appendices and I made them read those questions and they were not happy. But actually, they loved every minute of it. And I think I've, we've got uh, 15 new uh, diehard fans. So, just to let you know, in this case, because I know the Silmarillion is harder to grasp, you are allowed to answer these with a copy of the Silmarillion next to you. Just saying. So, if you want to quickly you know, dash to your bookshelf um, and get it. I'll give you like a couple of minutes to do that. Um, so just quickly, oh, I haven't said what I thought about the shape. What it reminded me, which I did kind of know, you know, you have this knowledge and then you forget it, is actually the Silmarillion is only one part of the Silmarillion, as we understand it, that the um, the story about Numenor or the Rings of Power and the foundational stories are actually out, sit outside, and it's a choice of the editor to name it after the Silmarillion section. Um, so I just needed reminding of that, and that reminds us too that this isn't in the shape that Tolkien, he did obviously a lot of the writing, but he doesn't get the final say because he's already gone by the time this is published. Uh, so all those things influence the way the tale is. Right, so just very quickly, um, yeah. Um, I, I I had the um, opportunity of listening to Guy Gavriel Kay, who uh-huh. helped compile the Silmarillion. And one of the things that he said to me that um, stuck with me that everyone might like to hear is that um, he was told by Professor Tolkien that don't tell everybody everything. Oh, oh, that's right. And that just stayed with me. So, Richard, you've got a. Um, would you like to speak, um, Brian? Could you promote Richard to speaking? Hey, Richard, are you able to speak? So, yes. Uh, yeah, I was just comparing uh, when I first got my copy of Silmarillion. I found it very dense. Yeah. Uh, and I had the image that. The Silmarillion was the Old Testament, and yeah. Lord of the Rings was the New Testament because uh, it was told more as a story rather than the history and the begats and the begats and the begats. Absolutely, I think you're. I think you're. You're completely right. That I must admit, the first time I read the Silmarillion, it was because I was a fan and I felt I had to get through it. A bit like. If I'm doing read a Bible in a year, I feel I've got to get through numbers and I don't know, Leviticus and stuff just because it's there. I think it gets more enjoyable. I don't know if you feel this, Richard. The more you know, the more enjoyable it is, and the more you find the good stories, the equivalent of the Jonas and the yeah, the Ruth. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. That's lovely. Um, so just the final question before we go to the quiz. Everybody getting their quiz brains ready. How do you think putting along the Silmarillion alongside Tolkien's works and other fantasy works, 
how do you see it fitting? Is there, a, for example, is there another fantasy book out there that's like this? We're all looking a bit blank. If anybody knows of one, put it I think in. Sense, like in, in terms of sensibility, I was thinking I was chewing a lot on that question. I think in terms of kind of like cosmic scope and sensibility and like planning and like kind of building out world with like a long-term plan, I think Brandon Sanderson, not that he's doing the same thing, but kind of in terms of his conceptualization of taking his plans to take a story and weaving in a few different kind of main categories of characters, stories, and even genres, uh, and then having a plan for over, you know, even just with the Way of Kings, that's, you know, projected at what, like 10, 12 book series it's supposed to also tie into some of these other various series that he's doing. So I think just in terms of scope and uh, like care to world and how different story threads are going to be weaving together, I think you see echoes of that and Sanderson's a big Tolkien fan so it's clearly kind of where he was inspired to do that so yeah but yeah the that's the close the closest I could think of in terms of just kind of cosmic uh, scope of scale for time period and sensibilities with narrative is the closest I could really think of Richard just suggested uh, McCaffrey's Dragon Riders I haven't read the entirety of that scope I do know it was taken on by her son wasn't it I think and continued. So that is a similarity. You get the yeah. sort of like Christopher Tolkien taking this on and building the expanding the world and also the sense of the length of time uh involved. How about you, Paula? How do you have you seen anything like this anywhere else? I can agree with the dragon riders. I can um David Eddings tried to create a full scope in 10 books tried to create a full, he, I think he fell short, but I think that was his intent was to create uh, an entire fantasy world with, you know, a quest and, and, and a king and all of the elements, but, and again, long lived wizards in, in a sense of, you know, thousands of years passing between things. I think he fell short, but it, they were enjoyable. They just weren't. Just weren't, just weren't talking. <laughs> they just weren't talking. <laughs> yeah. Richard's also suggesting the June series. Oh, do you know what? I, I, this is confession time. I failed in the June series. I read the first one or two, but when the main character turned into a worm, I kind of got oh, something. <laughs> I, I kind of got put off. So maybe Richard, you, you could encourage me to keep going with it. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, that was my problem there. Um, okay, ready for quiz now. So quiz team, um, stand by. So quiz users, just a couple of things to be aware of. When you hit next, um, that moves you on to the next question. But it'd be nicer if you do it at the same pace as me, if you don't mind. But don't hit submit until you're 100% sure. Submit is like the last box you reach. Don't hit that until you're sure that you've answered all the questions you want to answer. Uh, and I will tell you the parameters of what's acceptable um, each time. The prize is the person gets a coupon to go and spend in our store. We were, th were thinking, should we give them a T-shirt? Should we do this? Should we do that? But actually, we thought that you might like to buy yourself something and a friend something, for example. So we're going to give you a coupon. And there's some really great stuff in the store. Um, not just uh, Oxford Centre for Fantasy theme, but more generally fantasy themed. There's some wonderful... Um, what uh, an illustrator I work with over here has done a great dragon, for example. So if you're looking for a new image of a dragon to, to wear on your T-shirt, there's one out there. OK. Um, oh, so Karen's saying, can we have a link to the store? Yes, absolutely. Um, I will ask my team to put that in so you can all go and check it out. It's on our website. It's on our Facebook page as well. But we will put it into the chat. Um, but let's turn to the quiz. So. Um, Else, could we please have the quiz? There we go. So here we go. Question number one. Um, please, other panelists, uh, other leaders, uh, Paula and Jacob, can you now mute yourself? Because you probably know all the answers. <laughs> so we don't want you to sort of be blurting them out in the background. Uh, anyway, so here we go. Question number one. 
as you as you know, Tolkien is very fond of his pairings, his marriages between races. Uh, which of these who come out of the Silmarillion are not not a human and elf pairing? Now, just to be check check, sometimes the elf in question maybe have a bit of human blood in them. Um, so, but basically, which one is not is not human and not elf? So, the options are Thingol and Melian, Beren and Luthien, Tuor and Idril, and Aragorn and Arwen. Okay, everybody, pick one. So now, click on next, and that should take you to the next. Quiz question. Who is Finrod? Is Finrod one of the sons of Fianor? Is Finrod Fianor's father? Is Finrod Galadriel's brother? Or is Finrod a Valar ruling the ocean? One in four chance. Of getting that right. Hmm. I can see Paula's saying, I can't say, I can't speak. She wants to tell us all. She's desperate to tell us. Okay. Question number three. And this is what I almost gave away when I was chatting about a certain chapter. Um, where do the Silmarils end their journey? the final location of them. Is their final location in Morgoth's crown? Is their final location in air, fire and water? Is their final location in the undying lands, sky and sea? Or is it in Beren's hand? The one that ends up in a, yeah, that one. Have a pick. Hope this isn't too tricky because at least you you've got some answers there for you to pick from. I think it's quite a hard one. I mean, I was making up the quiz; it was quite hard to find fair questions because you know it's quite a knotty book, lots of details. Okay, next question: Did you notice the talking dog? Such the best character. What is the talk, talking dog's name? I'm going to give you a little clue here. It's a short name. So you won't need all 20 characters in that box. He only speaks three times. Isn't there something in the Bible about, is it Balaam's ass or somebody who speaks? Anyway, it feels as though it's come from the Bible, that idea. But I love the idea of this dog who speaks three times. He chooses his moment. All of you who've got dogs, imagine they speak to you three times. I think mine would be feed me each time. But this dog says something a bit more interesting. So moving on. Don't forget, you can quickly flick through your copy of Silmarillion if you're looking to remind yourself. Who kills said dog? Boo, hiss. Is it Harkaroff the wolf, Glaurong the dragon, Thorondor the eagle, or Ungoliant the spider? Just a little sidebar here on aren't the animals in Tolkien so good? Um, just love them. There is a lot to say about all of those, but which one kills this wonderful dog? Okay, going on. Question number six, what is special about the Menaltama, which is the tallest mountain in Numenor, the island? Is Menaltama the site of Armenelos, the main city? If you watched um, Rings of Power, um, they actually did quite a good job at recreating Armenelos, I thought. 
Or is it number two, the burial place of kings? Or is it number three, the sole place of worship mentioned in Middle Earth? Or is it the location of the palantiri, you know, the seeing stones? By the way, rings of power, strange, strange thread. Isildur's sister, she's left looking and, and then she disappears. Anyway, weird. Ah, oh, Karen's just reminded us that the horse of Achilles talks. Ah, oh, so it's classical as well. Excellent. Which, of course, Tolkien would have known because he was an educated man, as we can all agree. OK, I have to fess up here. I got this wrong when I was making the quiz, so I hope I've got it right now. Um, in which city did Isildur settle? So, you know, there was Anarion, Elendil and Isildur, father and two sons. Um, did Isildur settle in Minas Anor? Be careful, it sounds a bit weird when you say that. Or Minas Ithil? Which one did he go for? You've got a 50-50 choice. So if you're doing really badly and know none of the answers, this is the place to um, come back and score a point. 50% chance. And then the next question that builds on that is what did that city become? Did it become Minas Morgul or did it become Minas Tirith? Mm, head scratching. It is there in the Silmarillion. So we're over halfway now. What is the name? of Arendelle's ship. We will forgive you if you um, spell it slightly wrong because we'll be able to tell if, you, if, you, if you're in the right ballpark. Um, and the other thing, uh, if that you have absolutely no idea, you can come up with a witty answer, the kind of Boaty McBoatface version of what it should be called. And we'll be able to see that and we can give you a bonus point for, you know, wit. So it's interesting, all these um, stories about the sea, you know, like islands that get swamped by the sea and all this kind of thing. Because, of course, one of the strange things about Oxford, where I'm talking to you from, is that we are famously as far from the sea in England as you can get. It's kind of one of the ironies. There's lots of rivers and they and they flood, but we, we're not we're very far from the sound of the sea. Maybe. Ah, thought. Maybe that's why the hobbits have never seen the sea. Do you remember they've all not been to the seaside? Um, that's because they live in Oxford, basically. There you are. The mystery is solved. Okay, so number 10. This is one of the more difficult ones. So it's, we'll do a quick flip through the Silmarillion here. Who are Elrond and Elros's parents? Again, if you spell it a bit, yeah, we won't mind. But see if you can get it right. Elros, Elrond, you'll know, obviously. Uh, Elros is the uh, person who chose to be human and set up the line in Numenor. And because of his parents, that's why the men of Numenor live a bit longer than everyone else. Well, quite a bit longer, in fact, than other men. So. Number 11. What do the Valar make to cast light on Valinor? Do they make two lamps? Do they make two trees? Do they make a sun and a moon? Or do they make all of the above? Kind of I suppose we include in the Eru kind of, you know, whoever is running the software program behind this, playing the tune. 
Number 12 is who makes the dwarves? Ah, this is a, a name that may not be on the tip of your tongue, shall we say. Um, so if you know what his job is, you can say he is the one who does this. The Valar of something. I see Karen is already asking me about number 11. She's she's going to, I have to ask you why, when I give the answer, you can come and give your counter view. How about that, Karen? Not that I've given you the answer yet. Okay, so Lauren, which is Gandalf's name in the West, is described as the wisest of the Maya. From whom does he learn pity and patience? Is it Niena, Melian, Este, or Nori Brandyfoot, that well-known character from the Silmarillion? Yeah, Geralt, I agree. Yeah, obviously. That's another conversation, is it, about... Anyway. Won't go there. We're in the middle of a quiz. Control yourself, Golding. Right, number 14. Who cuts the Silmaril from Morgoth's iron crown with Angrist? And this is just such a great bit of prose. That bit. So who cuts the Silmaril from Morgoth's iron crown? So don't hit submit until you're absolutely sure of all your answers because you can't get it back. Final question is who made the three elven rings all on their own? So it's quite a good chance that you should be able to get this. So forget rings of power. Ignore that. Because there were other people in the room who made them all on their own. Don't let that confuse you. Okay, when you are happy that you have made all the answers you're going to make, press submit and it will go off to be tabulated. You've got 30 seconds to do that. And whilst we are waiting for the um, answers to be verified and checked so that our voting machines are not being controlled by the ghost of Hugo Chavez or any of that stuff. Uh, I am going to play you a little slideshow of the um, art that I did to illustrate each chapter. I want to show you this because I was to do this. I, I got in, interested in this AI art. And um, I don't know if you've come across this yet, but it's really fun. You can just put in some prompts. But I thought you might be intrigued to see what they made of the Silmarillion. Obviously, I could have spent hours and really polished up the images, but I thought they gave a really nice flavour of the Silmarillion. So this slideshow I'm going to show you is um, taken in order of the chapters. So see if you can uh, see if you can tell which chapter we're on. Um, so the poll is about to close in 15 seconds. So if you're still humming and hurrying over your answers, please put them in now. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna play you the slideshow. Jacob and Paula, thumbs up if you can see that, okay. Cause if you can see it, everyone else, yeah, good. So some of the images really works. Some of them, AI art does this one weird thing where it suddenly um, gives people weird heads and long noses. But anyway, I love the atmosphere it creates. Love this one. That's Melkor, obviously. Here's the Silmaril. Really like this one. This one worked well. 
This is the flight of the Noldor. Creation of the sun and moon. Of men. Which one has a walk in it? Very hands. Like that one. The arrival of men or the coming of men, this one. I like the African feel to that. This one's got Glaurong the dragon in it. Beren and Luthien. The battle one, the fifth battle. Shurin, uh, I think. Fall of Doriath. Fall of Gondolin. Really like this one. Elbereth. Um, Elbereth. Uh, into Luminor going down the. <laughs> there we go. So, sorry, I'm just going to go back and turn that off. So, there we go. If you can't find images from Silmaril, you can go. Well, oh, so um, the question uh, is. AI created these, says C. Yes. Well, obviously my brilliance, because I, I chose the things to put in the prompt. Um, but I did I did actually have to try a couple of words because the Silmarillion is so specific that you can't just type in uh, a Silmarillion and expect something to come out. You had to put in something to lead it to. Um but I, I would say that I don't think illustrators for books need worry yet because they aren't perfect by any means. But the atmosphere was right for an asset online. And I just thought some of them were actually quite successful. And they suggested atmospheres and strange I, sort of versions of things, which I actually found quite inspiring. So there we are. Thank you, Jill. Yes. No, Nancy says not easy to use. Yeah, I take my hat off to those people who manage to comb it through so they get the perfect image. Okay, so my elves, how are we doing? Do we have um, a, a result as yet? They stepped out for a short 40 they're, years. They're, they're, They'll be right back. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see them in 100. A few more mins. Yeah, so they're working on elf time. So this is this is worrying. We're all going to be like, <laughs> you said there was a coupon. Okay, um, so uh, yeah, Gerald's saying it. Oh, okay, we can give the answers. Wonderful. Um, so you can mark yourself, but what happens is you can sort of scroll down and see how you did. Which of these isn't a human and elf pa pairing? It's single and Melian because Melian is a Maya and not elf or human. So single and Melian is. The right answer there. Who is Finrod? This is a bit um, tricksy. Somebody said tricksy question because, of course, there's lots of Fs floating around. He's uh, oh, here we go. We've actually got everybody's answers here. Ninety-five percent of you were correct there. Who is Finrod, Galadriel's brother? Oh, another lot of lots of right answers. Can you all see this? Not just me seeing this. Yes. Um, where do the Silmarils end their journey? Uh, that most of you pick the right answer. It's in air, fire, and water. Um, <laughs> we've got various people guessing the dog's name. You're all sort of roughly in the right ballpark. It's Juan. Woof. I like woof. Good name. Um, who kills the, the the dog? Wow, look at that. Everybody got that right. Um, Harker off the wolf. The 5% who didn't um, answer, that's me, by the way, because I didn't actually put in any answers as I was going through. Everybody was answering. What is the thing special about Meneltama? Well, the absolute, um, our Menelos is kind of next to it, not on it, um, as is the burial place of the kings. It's actually reserved as a place of worship. And this is one of the downfalls of Numenor is that um, Sauron says, hey, be a really good idea to, you know, 
put a, another kind of altar on the top and it's a sort of the part of the downfall of Numenor. Um, which city did Isildur settled? Well done, everybody. You got that. I got my Anors and my Ithils uh, mixed up and I've set this. Yes, it's Minas Ithil. And yes, you're right, most of you. It becomes Minas Morgul. What is the name of Erendil's ship? Vingalot is correct. Um, what I did? Wingalot, Golden Horizon, that would be a good one. Boat. Well, that's kind of like, yes, I'll call my ship Boat. Excellent. Lots of Vingalots, though. Um, well done. Who were her parents, Erendil and Elwing? Lots of you getting that right. Well done. Um, what do the Valar make to cast light on Valinor? Well, they kind of do all of these because we go through the stage when there's two lamps, the stage when there are two trees, and the stage when the sun and the moon comes along. So, but Karen thought that was controversial. So I'm not sure why. Tell us why. Um, who makes the dwarves? Uh, uh, the two trees cast light on Valinor, the lamps and uh, sun and moon on all of Arda. Yes, but in, for Valinor is included subset, isn't it? Yes, but it's not specifically Valinor. I know, but I put it in there so so that the tree one would be correct. See? So they do make the light of Valinor does include these things. So I'm okay. I, I thought I'd got that wrong. But we take your point. The, the lamps and the um, sun and the moon has got a bigger, bigger scope. Okay. Um, where are we? Who makes the dwarves? Yes. Um, Ayuli. Extra points for Ayuli the smith. I'm smithing Valar. That, that would be uh, correct too. Um, we'll allow the a, a sort of Valar who's the smith is what I was going for there. Okay. Uh, so who does Gandalf learn pity and patience from? Uh, actually, Jacob gave it away. And I thought, no, Jacob, don't say this in his, but he, he didn't know I was going to ask his question. It is actually Nienna. Well done. And uh, who cuts the Silmaril from Morgoth's Iron Crown? Beren. A lot of you have answered that. And who makes the elven rings? Yes. Um, Luthien, we should mention, give Luthien a mention because she's there lulling um, uh, Morgoth Melkor to sleep with her, you know, with her bard-like brilliance. Um, but I was actually, that's why I was specific about who actually is holding the, the daggery sword thing. Um, did we do the last question? Let me just go back to that. Yes, and the last person who made the three rings was Celebrimbor, um, which I think a lot of you got. I reckon we're going to have several winners there. So let's find out if we have an overall winner um, or if we've got several, because then we might have to have a tie break. If we have three people, we'll be fine. But if we have like 15, then there needs to be a tie break. Uh, so just wait for my elves to... Just wait for the team. They're all thinking, oh, gosh, they're counting in the background. Ah, Gerald's saying that was way more doable than the Lord of the Ring ones. Yes. Thank you. That was the point. Because when I did the Lord of the Ring ones, I thought, well, you're all going to know it um, really well. So Nancy is saying at the feet of the mountain were built the tombs. Yes, but it's at the feet. Top. The feet. I don't count that as don't count that as a mountain, Nancy. I'm quiz master. I I I decide. You have to do that. Ah, oh, she's she's not she's coming back at me. No, no, my, my decision is final. Anyway, it's not special to be a burial place of kings. It is special 
to be the only place of worship. How about that as a counter answer? There we go. Ah, we have a three-way tie. And I think because it's a three-way tie, we can give out three prizes. I think that's a nice way of doing it. Yeah, Mario is saying I'm the boss. Thank you. Nice to feel that I'm in charge of some part of my life. Uh, okay, right. What you really want to know is who has won. So we have three winners who got 15 out of 15. And they are in no particular order. George Nadorf, Nadorf, Stuart Taylor and Geral. So please, could you put your emails into the chat? You can select host and panelists to make it private so it's not out there for everybody. Um, and then we can email you your prizes. But well done. I actually feel a bit relieved that we've got some, because last time it was too hard, wasn't it? Maybe it was a bit too easy this time. Who knows? Okay, whilst we're doing that, big news for you all. We love doing these readathons, and we thought, what Christmas treat could there be but to do the Chris Father Christmas letters? So in the week before Christmas, or just just you know, before we all get into that typhoon that is Christmas entertaining, um, we're going to do one letter a day. But it's going to be a bit different because um, I'd love volunteers to take on a year. So you say, hey, I'll do 1935. Or even just, just volunteer and do a little video of your reaction to that letter, plus telling us about one Christmas or um, if you're from a, if you celebrate something else at that time of year, um, one special family tradition that you'd like to share with us. Like in the Tolkien house, they sent these um, letters. Oh, I mean, Father Christmas sent the letters, obviously, kids um but maybe you got some other special cake you make or um funny little quirky family tradition you have anyway details about how to join this in will be how to join in with this will be on our usual social media um networks on our website and what have you so look out for that we'll start and, and in the email letters from the oxford center for fantasy so not yet because we're not even through Thanksgiving yet. But after that, we're going to be doing Father Christmas letters when we're feeling a bit more Christmassy. Um, okay, so just <laughs> Karen, Karen's sorry, sorry. Um, the reason you didn't come up as a winner is because of my my wrongness as a quiz master. But I, I do decide, so there we go. Um, so we've. I can see that we've got um, Gerald. You've given. Oh yes, yeah, so every our winners have given us their email. So thank you, everybody. Okay, that's it. I promised we'd wrap it up in forty-five minutes. It's now fifty-five minutes. So we will stop there. Thank you so much for coming. That was great fun. Thank you in particular to Jacob and Paula for joining me on the chat. And uh, yeah, I really have enjoyed revisiting the Silmarillion this fall, this autumn. So. Um, I hope you did too. Don't forget, we we are here all year doing our uh, online courses and in-person courses. The next one is in July if you want to come to Oxford. Um, so do stay in touch. And if you have any ideas what you want us to do, any ideas what you want us to talk about on Mythmakers, our podcast, just let us know because we love your feedback and it helps us come up with new ideas. So thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Bye there. Hi, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Mythmakers Podcast, brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCentreForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, Plus, visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide.
Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace, starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies, and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.